0: Well, I invite you to turn in your copies of God's holy and inspired word to First Peter. We're going to continue to look here at the end of First Peter. Uh, we'll be reading verses uh, 116 through chapter two, verse one. You shall be holy, for I am holy. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning that our reality and our existence is no longer defined and determined by the futility of this world and its temporary nature as it is indeed passing away. You have ransomed us out of this existence of futility and and temporary and have brought us into the eternal kingdom of your beloved son. Oh Lord, refocus us this morning as you continue to speak to us through this living and abiding word that accomplishes everything you intend for it to accomplish in us and through us in your world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed that it's the same sun that will harden clay, but will also melt wax? Have you ever noticed it's the same sun? It's the same source of heat that when that heat is applied to clay, it gets harder. And when that same heat is applied to wax, it gets softer. Why is it and how is it that when you and I and our neighbors around us go through the same things, there can be such different responses? Why is it that you and I your neighbors, you within your family, you might have a loved one who passes away. And there is there can be such a wide variety of reactions within that same family. Where for some, it's like they become hardened by that death, while others, it almost helps them to become softer. There are these different responses, there are these different reactions, but it's all the same stimulus. It's all the same event. It's all the same circumstances. Within the circumstances that you and I have been presented for the last several months, we've been presented with things that are unprecedented for us. Events uh, within this world that are unfolding around us because of something we cannot see, something that we don't understand, something that there is no science in place that can speak authoritatively and almost even helpfully on the COVID-19 virus. And something that we do not see is wreaking havoc in lives and within society. We see people who are struggling with health. We see people who are struggling with their finances because they can't work or they can't work to the same degree that they were working. We see business, some businesses that are struggling. But as I learned last night, there are some businesses that are thriving. It's interesting how within this situation right now, For some it's bringing about one effect, for others it's bringing about another effect. For some it's almost positive, for others it is certainly most negative. We've experienced events around the country right now where we can see the same video, we can see the same events unfolding. And yet, it can produce such different reactions and responses. It's the same sun, beloved, that will harden clay and will soften wax. Now, what does this have to do with you and me? Well, what Peter is trying to help us understand is that as we are elect exiles, who have been called to embrace and embody the hope of Jesus Christ in a hostile world. What he is trying to get us to see is through the lens of this picture of the exodus from the Old Testament. He's trying to get us to rightly understand who we are so that we will respond to the hostility around us in a way that doesn't make us hardened and bitter and sad, but can help us to actually facilitate gratitude and joy and perseverance. What you and I need is this vision of who we are because of what God wants. God wants a people for his treasure. God wants to spend eternity with a people that reflect his righteousness, his holiness, and his glory. And he is not leaving his desires up to the whims of humanity to respond correctly. He has sovereignly called a people out in order to form them and shape them in a way that they reflect him because he takes up residence within them. In the book of Exodus, what we have talked about in here is that the the people of God, that, that God, that he has chosen that he made promises to to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, right? Who who themselves, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, who themselves lived as sojourners within the land that God had given them, right? Abraham was one who sojourned. He was a pilgrim. He traveled. He moved around. That land had been given to him by God, and yet he didn't live as one who possessed it. He was a pilgrim. He was a sojourner. Isaac the same way. Jacob the same way. And as you come to the end of the book of Genesis, what do you find? But the people of God have sojourned into um, Egypt And after 450-plus years, what has happened is the people of God are enslaved in Egypt. And so God, in his mercy, because of his faithful love, his faithfulness, he comes to his people within that bondage. He comes to them. He manifests his presence to them. He provides them a Passover lamb. And then he collects them to himself, and he removes them from that bondage. But that's not the end of the story. They, once again, become sojourners as they travel from Egypt to the promised land. And how is it that they travel? With God having taken up residence with them by manifesting himself in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. You see how this is working? God has taken up residence with his people in order to hem them in with his presence, to protect them from the things that are on the outside as he travels with them. Do you ever realize that when when Yahweh took up that presence with his people, uh, there in, in Egypt, and, and, and was with them through the wilderness, did you realize that God himself had become a pilgrim? That God himself was on sojourn. And what Peter is trying to help us to see is that what happened with regards to that, that, that uh, redemption, that ransom, that being, that being bought back, that being called out, What was happening there with the people of God at that earthly level, being removed from bondage, having God with them through the wilderness, bringing them to Mount Sinai where he gives them his law and where he calls them to consecrate themselves to him. This whole big picture that you find in Genesis through Deuteronomy Peter is taking that picture, and he's trying to help us understand that what God is doing in us and for us in Jesus Christ is the same thing, but at a spiritual level. So that we, as he says, we have been born again to a living hope. You have been born out of death and into life because you've been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from, the, from death into life. And because of that, we are now sojourners. We are pilgrims. And we have a, not only are we part of this greater exodus, we are part of this greater exodus because we have a superior Passover in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lamb of God who shed his blood to take away the sins of his people. And so there is this unfolding picture here in 1 Peter. We have been redeemed, not out of Egypt, we have been redeemed out of bondage and slavery to sin and death. We have have been called, because of the, the blood of the Passover of Jesus Christ, we have been called to prepare our minds for action to literally gird up the loins of our minds, just like the people of God were called to gird up their robes to get ready to leave Egypt, we are to to gird up the robes of our minds to embrace who God is and what he is doing for us in Christ so that we can conduct our pilgrimage the right way. And so what we have looked at so far is that we are called as the people of God who have been born again to a living hope to set our hope fully on the grace that will come when Jesus returns. And we have been called there within that process, how you set your hope fully on that grace, you prepare your minds for action, you see yourself as a pilgrim, you gird up your, your life. In order to follow Jesus Christ as those who are on a new exodus, as those who are participants of a greater Passover. And as those who have set our hope fully on that grace, we are to be holy in our conduct as we are traveling with God. Was Israel holy in their conduct as they followed God out of Egypt? Into the desert? No, that's why they spent 40 years there. It's precisely because they weren't holy. Yet, did you notice that God didn't leave them? Be holy in the way you participate in this new exodus. Practice your new family heritage. In Jesus Christ, you have been drawn into the family of God. These covenant promises from Abraham that passed through Isaac, that passed through Jacob, that was renewed with Israel, that was focused in David, and that became fully um, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We have been brought into the family of God, and so we are to practice a new family heritage, and we are to conduct our journey with reverence, by leaving the rebellion and revelry of our culture behind. You see the way this image is working? You've got to have this mental image of what is going on in order to really grasp what he is trying to encourage us to see, to be, and to do. As we talked about last week, what, one of the primary motivations here in us leaving behind the rebellion and revelry of a worthless culture in order to conduct ourselves with reverence as those who are part of a new family. One of the primary motivations that God puts before us is that this greater, uh, this greater Passover that we have is something better than an animal. It is Jesus himself. And, and Jesus' blood that he shed is of infinite, eternal worth. And so, well, it's one of the best ways to give up the temporary for the eternal. Well, it's one of the best ways to give up something that's worthless in order to embrace that which has worth. Well, you've got to cultivate purposefully within your minds and within your hearts and, and within your wills. We have to cultivate this constant renewal within ourselves of embracing the infinite worth of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, beloved, we are more prone to reflect that in the way that we live. To put it another way, Paul says, if you sow to the flesh, what will you reap? The things of the flesh. And by the the way their flesh there does not mean sinful. It means earthly. If you sow to the earthly, guess what you'll get? Earthly stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But is there something better? Absolutely. So if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap the things of the Spirit. And so God is calling us and motivating us for embracing who we are as these sojourners by putting before us the infinite value and worth of Jesus Christ so that, now we're moving into our text today, beginning in verse 22, so that we will respond in love. We come to what uh, uh, could be called the third command or the third imperative of of this portion of 1 Peter that starts back in verse 13. We are to set our hope fully on grace, We are to be holy as God is holy. We are to love. It's the same thing that unfolded for for Israel in the Old Testament. As As he redeemed them out of Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai. And what did he do at Mount Sinai? He called them to consecrate themselves and to get ready to receive his word. And when they received that word, their response was, Everything that you have said, we will do. This is the covenant being cut here uh, in, in this new administration of the covenant of grace. Everything that you have said, we will do. We will obey. In Deuteronomy then, God helps us understand what does this mean to obey? It means to love God and to love your neighbor. It's to love. Love is the embodiment of obedience. Love is the embodiment of devotion. Set your hope fully, be holy, love one another earnestly from the heart. In Exodus 19, God tells Moses, Call the people together and then consecrate them, wash them to get them ready for me to come to them on the mountain and speak to them. That's what's going on in Exodus 19. That same word with regards to consecrate there that, was, that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament there in Exodus 19 is the word here that Peter uses for us when he talks about us having purified our souls by obedience to the truth. What Peter is not saying here is that you and I save ourselves through our obedience, okay? That's off the table. That is not what is being said. What he is doing is once again taking up the imagery from the Old Testament And just as the people of God were to consecrate themselves, and you can see this all over the place. You can see it in Exodus 19, 1 Chronicles 15, when they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, and they're going to bring it up to, to put it back where it's supposed to be, David tells the priests, you got to consecrate yourselves. you got to wash yourselves to get ready to be able to do this, all right? So in the Old Testament, there were these official ceremonies of purification. The, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, in, in, the, in the book of Acts, when, it, when he says that he's, uh, gonna, he's preparing to go back to Jerusalem in order to worship at the temple, where he ends up being caught uh, by the Pharisees, where he gets arrested— In the book of Acts, it describes the purification ceremony that Paul went through in order, as one who had been living among the Gentiles, to come back and enter into the temple. All right? So there's this sense in which there was this official kind of ceremony where the people of God would consecrate themselves. What is Peter saying here? We don't necessarily have that same ceremony. Although, hold up, now that I think about it, I think we do have a ceremony that, that includes water. Don't we? Don't we have a celebration within the church that is a picture of God's covenant faithfulness and one's embracing of covenant obligations? Yeah. Yeah. We have baptism. So there is a sense in which we have that, but for us, that happens one time. What Peter says, though, is that every time you obey God because of who God has made you to be, that is your way of continuing to participate in a consecrating of yourself to him so that's what's in view here not you save yourself through your your obedience what he's saying is is that as you live a life of obedience to god in response to his gospel work within you as that as that happens you are constantly consecrating yourself over and over and over and showing yourself to be god's people And what he says is because of that, because uh, you have been called, because you have been empowered, and because you are striving to reflect these things, you have been, through your obedience, you have been consecrating yourself. Now, why? What's the purpose of this consecration? He tells us. Love. Love. What's the goal of the consecration? Love. How do we understand the word obedience? Jesus tells us love. Love, 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 love. Beloved, salvation is living in the way of love. Now, there's so much here. This is why we have to go so slow in 1 Peter. He takes these huge things and he just compacts it as if it we're like, oh, yeah, we, we know what all that means and all that, right? No, we have to unpack this thing. What do they call that, Clay, in, in computers? A zip file. First Peter is a zip file, and we have to unzip it. The response, what does it look like? To set your hope fully on the grace of God? What does it look like to be holy as God is holy? What, what does it look like to have consecrated yourself unto God? The way it looks is love. Love, 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 love. It is an earnest love. It is a sincere love. It is a uh, another way of translating the adverb here is constant love. Not perfectly, right? None of us can do this perfectly. But it is saying that the overall way of your life as one who has been born again in Jesus Christ is that you will love. This love is earnest. It it is a general way of describing one's development as a disciple and this love we are told here is from the heart now this doesn't mean warm fuzzies although it should include warm fuzzies all right so i know we're reformed and i know that we're we're good at making sure we don't like things or that we don't get any happiness right in jesus no so we're really good about saying love isn't isn't warm fuzzies? And that's right. But it should at least include some warm fuzzies. Love here is not uh, simply talking about friendship that's based on having common interests. Oh, we're, we're both from the same area. Oh, we both like the same music. Oh, we both hate the same movies, right? it's It's not a friendship or, or a fellowship that is that is defined around common earthly interests, although, Once again, it can include that, and there's nothing wrong with that. The love that he's talking about here is the love that is the result of us, notice here in the text, us being born again. So he's taking up what he began back in verse 3, he's taking it up once again. You've been born again to a living hope, you have been born again again. To a living and abiding love. The love that is being described here is a love that reflects God's covenant love. It is a love that reflects God's covenantal character. Who is God? How does He love? Well, that's the love that you and I are called to express because we have been born again in Jesus Christ now very important here this is not saying okay look at who God is and look how he how he loves and you just do your best to model yourself after that that is not what's being said just so that we're clear the love That is based on and has its source in uh, God's character and His covenant love. It's not something for us to look at and then say, all right, I am going to white knuckle my way into loving someone today. Even though that's often what it looks like for me, but it shouldn't. That's not what He's talking about here. Because when we're born again, In Jesus Christ, he says here that that we are born of imperishable seed. What is that seed? It's Jesus. Jesus, whose blood is eternal, remember? Jesus, who is of infinite worth because he's eternal. Remember all that he just talked about? What he's saying is when you are born again, you are born again as one who now, in Jesus Christ, participate in his infinite and eternal value and worth. So that that eternal Jesus has taken up residence within your heart. And the love that he exercises, he exercises in your hearts and through your lives. The love that we are called to reflect is a love that we have already received. It's a love that is at work within us. It is a love that is forming and shaping Christ into his image. It is a love that is actively there. We don't generate it by looking at God and saying, I'm going to try to love like that. No, what we do is we see who God is, we see what God has done, and then we gird up the loins of our minds and we, and we remember, I have been born again in Jesus Christ and that love is already here. So because that love is already in me, because it's already shaping me, because it's already forming me, I'm going to give myself to that love, and I'm going to let that love control more and more and more of who I am and how I relate to other people. The life of salvation is the way of love because the God of love has taken up residence within our hearts. And so we, we respond to him by loving him through our obedience. And when we do that, that is consecrating us as his people. And the reason that we are consecrating ourselves to him is for the purpose and goal of embodying and expressing his love. Even, notice here, and especially with the way that we relate to one another. Jesus Christ, who is imperishable. Jesus Christ, who is eternal. Jesus Christ, who is living and abiding with his people. Jesus Christ is doing this within us. And so we are to treat one another in a way that reflects the way God treats us notice here put away all malice deceit hypocrisy envy slander we're going to unpack these in the future we're not doing that today The big picture here is as you cultivate within your heart, within your mind, and within your will that infinite worth of Jesus Christ, take that next step and cultivate within yourself that that infinite worth and that eternal value has taken up residence within me. And so I will not give myself to the temporary things of this world that are passing away. I'm going to give myself consciously and purposefully over and over and over and over to the things that are eternal, to the things that will never pass away, to the realities that reside within our triune God that he has chosen to bless us with because it causing us to have a shared life and love and mission with him. Beloved, as you go out this week, purposefully cultivate eternal things, and I would say do what Les said. Turn the news off. Just take one week and turn the news off And give yourself and your time to reading the scripture, to calling a a loved one on the phone, going and seeing somebody. Give yourself to things that are eternal this week and watch as you are able to rest more fully in this eternal blessing of Jesus Christ the same sun that hardens clay it melts wax let's pray our Heavenly Father your blessings are immeasurable because you are immeasurable you are imperishable And so you have blessed us with the hope of the eternal inheritance of Jesus Christ, which is imperishable. It is unfading. You have redeemed us with that which is superior to silver and gold. And so, Lord, help us to give ourselves to these eternal things that we don't see right now. We can't reach out and and grab hold of our eternal inheritance in Christ right now. It is something that we receive by faith. And so Lord, help us and bless us that as we make these efforts to renew our consecration to you through obedience. It will be the eternal worth of Jesus Christ within us that is driving us and motivating us and carrying us along so that we might truly, Lord, more and more let go of the worthless and vain ways of our culture that you have redeemed us from. And that we might, in giving ourselves to eternal things, we might, as Les prayed earlier, that we might embody those eternal things to people right now, Lord, who are hurting. And so, Lord, we renew this prayer. Help your church to be in this world, that place where, where your love and where your mercy and where your justice and where your grace where it can be seen and where it can be found and that people would be redeemed from the the vain ways that they are responding right now lord and might find what they truly are looking for, which can only be found in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to posture ourselves as a people to receive sinners by loving them the way you have loved us, sacrificially, taking up the cross, loving our neighbor, and especially our enemy. Pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.